I'm Zach Weiss, and you're listening to Across the Cavs on the Basketball Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning and welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs. It is Friday, February 24th. The Cavs coming off a tight loss to the Denver Nuggets last night. They'll play Atlanta in the second half of a doubleheader to open up the second half of the season. We'll be introducing today's guest in a moment. Very excited to have the pleasure to do so. But before we get to that, today in Cavs history, two seasons ago, the Cavs waving Marquise Bolden to sign Broderick Thomas to a two-way contract. Today in 2015, the beginning of an interesting Kendrick Perkins era, spent a couple of regular seasons with the Cavs. This was the first of two tenures he had. Brought a great veteran presence to the locker room, which the team needed after their first round series with the Celtics. Today in 2011, some big trades in the Cavs history that would actually lead us to 2016. Semir Dan and Luke Karangoti coming to the Cavs for a second round pick. The Cavs sending Jamario Moon and Mo Williams to the Clippers for Baron Davis in the pick that ended up becoming number one. So happy Kyrie-versary. The seed was planted on this date in 2011. In 2006, the Cavs wave Lee Nalon, who they had acquired from the Sixers the prior day, bringing his NBA career to an end. And in 2007, the Cavs bring in Jerry Welch for a very brief tenure from the Celtics. That first-round pick they moved became Rudy Fernandez. But... That is it for history. We're back in the present. Introducing today's guest, the bilingual announcer. He is the Spanish voice of your Cleveland Cavaliers, one of the best voices in all of sport, having done the championships of all four major sports as well as the Final Four, Rafa Hernandez-Brito. Rafa, a pleasure to welcome you on this morning. Zach, how are you? Finally, we get to get together. You know, we've been, we've been planning for this for a while, and I'm glad we finally... Even though I'm on the road, we finally get together to talk some calves. Yeah, man, this is great. I am I'm glad I've had this day on my calendar for a long time. And yeah, the second half of the back-to-back, you're in Atlanta where the Cavs are gonna face Trey Young and the first game of the Joe Prunty era in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So, Rafa, let's go back to the beginning here. You've been with the Cavs since 2014. So you've seen some incredible moments. You know, you saw the LeBron Kyrie era play out you saw LeBron's return you've seen the greatness of Colin Sexton against the Nets of Mitchell 71 of Nance's buzzer beater there have been so many great moments so how did you first come to get started with the cast because from our pre-conversation your your uh your path similar to John Michaels did not start announcing you got a degree in engineering in college (laughs) yeah that's a lot of one of the things we have in common you know a funny story the first time I was interview when I came to the Cavs, they, uh, I told the story about how I started mechanical engineering in college, and somebody said, wow, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody else with an engineering degree doing broadcasting. And I'm like, no, I got one right here next to me. <laughs> and and John one-upped me, because John is also an attorney, so he he, he went a little farther than I did to to, to change. And, and, and basically, you know, we shared the fact that we, we wanted to follow our passion, which was sports, and, and I did that late in the 1990s after a successful sales career for for a brewing company and 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 you know did a lot of sports did a lot of nfl did boxing ufc had my own show 
But my career, my, my path to the Cavs was in 2014 when uh, I was, I had been doing the NFL for 13 years. I was the voice of the national games, everything that wasn't on at one o'clock or four o'clock on Sunday. I was the voice of, and I was the, I was the sports director at Univision Radio, which was the, the national radio network. It was actually, you know, I, I always like to say the first successful Spanish radio network. There had been some that had tried and had gone under. We actually, when we found, when we created, you Division Radio. We bought a couple of the the, the networks that have that had gone down and have not been able to figure out a way to to create revenue nationally and and actually create entertainment and programming. But I was doing the NFL. I was doing a lot of boxing. You know, I have as a sports director, I went out and got the rights for the for the NBA playoffs, for the Major League Baseball playoffs, for for the NFL regular season and postseason, and and cover a lot of the pay-per-view events for HBO, and that, that's what that's how I got into calling uh, championship boxing and UFC. But you know, after 13 years of doing that. A lot of changes going on, and and I needed a, a career a career change, and I had never worked for a team directly. I have I have been the voice, you know, I was the first voice of the New York Jets, the first voice of the Brooklyn Nets, and the and the, the Jersey Nets back in the day. Uh, St. John's men's basketball was my first gig as a as a Spanish broadcaster. I was lucky enough to to be part of the of a group that created Spanish broadcasting. There were some people that. Did it before me, obviously, but I was part of the group that actually made it a thing for teams to actually start getting involved and trying to reach the community that way. So, 2014, fast forward, you know, I'm in the middle of the summer trying to figure out what I'm gonna do. Had had left Univision, and somebody texted me a, 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 a news clip saying, you know, the Cavaliers will start doing games in Spanish. So I called my boss, Dave Dombrowski. And he told me that uh, they were deep in the process, but to send my send my tape anyway, just in case, you know, they wanted to look at it. And at the time, I was lucky that I had that on, on the competition of the other three people that were looking for the job, that I was doing the the games on TV for for the Spanish Professional Basketball League in on, on Univision. I was doing those games, and I had, obviously, my experience with the Nets. And lucky enough, I have people that were willing to put in a word for me. So <laughs> that, I like to tell the story, all that long story I just told you. I like to say that our, our chairman, Dan Gilbert, went to Miami in 2014 to make two acquisitions, LeBron and myself. And nobody believed me that story. So, <laughs> so, so it, it, was, it was basically the fact that I wanted to be part of a team after calling so many games, not caring who won or lost. And also was very attracted by the, the the efforts and the intentions and the true efforts that the Cavaliers had in in trying to reach the Hispanic community in Northeast Ohio. So that that's how I ended up in Cleveland. And I'm telling you, it's the best decision I ever made in my life. And we're very glad as fans uh, to have that opportunity. Myself, I, I can't say I would fully understand enough of the Spanish broadcast to to fully comprehend the level of the call, but. Everything that I see and everything that they see as a fan base and obviously everything ownership sees is fantastic because when your voice comes up and we do see the highlights, I, I honestly speaking, and I, I know I'm not the only one that says this, whether whether it's our first language, our second or our third language, every time I see the Spanish call uh, on social media from a big play, it always sounds like there's even more energy and that the, the call is more pure and that and you could tell me if I'm wrong, because I don't know, obviously, I don't speak a ton of Spanish, Rafa, but when you guys make the calls in Spanish, you 
you pretty much you get right to the point of the call and the energy is high right from the beginning and it's so clear and concise how excited you guys are as the local announcers for that moment yeah you know i one one side note on that i always i don't i don't want to say it, it, it ticks me off but but it it it, it draws me it, here's the thing yes we do call the games with a lot of energy and and i think it, it's obviously clear that i don't think it has to do with with other than the fact that that's how I see the game, Zach. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to add anything. That's how you'll see me at home when mm-hmm. I'm watching a, a football game. So I always say I'm a lucky guy to have a microphone on when I, when the game is on. Obviously now I look. I work directly for the team, so I always look up for my guys and and everything like that. But when it comes to the Spanish uh, uh, highlights, I always say that I wish people knew what is being said in the highlights. So they could really appreciate because sometimes you get highlights in Spanish and it's just one person screaming and not really saying anything or anything about the high about the play or how many yards or how many how many points that guy has. You know what I mean? I always try to yes, not literally lose my cool, but I, I, I get excited about it, but at the same time I don't forget what my job is, which is try to bring the fans into the stand so you know donovan mitchell put in you know 71 points yes it, you it sounds exciting in spanish for somebody that doesn't speak the language but i always i always say i'll translate the call for you and you tell me if once you hear in english what is being said if you still think that's a good call or you just like the screaming so i always like to think that my calls are complete and and there are some highlights in spanish that are just like screaming uh-huh. and, and and singing and stuff like that, but but yes, we do it. We do it at a different level. There's no, there's no, there's absolutely no no doubt about it. I know, and, and complete respect to to be able to. Obviously, it's it's a different type of call, but to be able to do that in in every sport that that's popular in the world right now, you're associated with that. So to have you as part of the Cavaliers organization, obviously, just as a fan. Is is incredible, uh, Rafa, and uh, yeah, of course, yeah, you, you earn that. I'm sure you get that a lot, and you absolutely deserve it. Modesty is what is what keeps people thriving in the broadcasting industry, of course. But you absolutely deserve every bit of praise that does uh, come your way. And uh, before we go to break, uh, Rafa, let's talk a little bit about uh, BU again. So we were talking uh, before the game. So Kyrie Irving obviously was in Cleveland from 2011 to 2017, the year the Cavs won the title. He was present. He was a big part of that. You were here as well. But what people might not know is that you were friendly with Kyrie's father, Dredrick, as you guys actually overlapped at Boston University. We did, you know. And Boston University is not really your your sport athletic program school, but Every time, every now and then, they will win the, the conference. I don't know what conference they're on right now. Trust me, I'm about to do the Final Four in a month, and I have to go back and read, like, who, what team is in what conference. Because <laughs> they, keep, they keep jumping. Like, the Big East, where I started, is no longer the Big East. So, But, uh, yeah, Dredd was in, in a BU, and I was lucky enough as a freshman to be placed in a dorm that wasn't one of those big monstrous dorms that usually they throw freshmen in, you know, like we have, like, the three towers in the middle of Commonwealth Avenue or or or, or West Campus, it used to be called, which was where in front of all the, the athletics was. But the, I was put in a brownstone 
where the hockey team, the basketball team lived, which was the two the two biggest programs at BU. Hockey was always it. You know, I they they won the Frozen Four when I was there. They, as you remember, we just had a, an anniversary of the Do You Believe in Miracles 1980 hockey team, and half of that team was from BU, including including the coach. So. Dredd was a, a neighbor of mine, and I always saw them because the, 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 the players lived in the basement where all the laundry was. So I always said to him, very nice guy, always a very mild dude. And, and fast forward to 2014, we opened the season and we played the Knicks, the game that LeBron came back. And then we, we automatically, we immediately went on a West Coast trip, right? So I didn't, I didn't do the second game until middle of November. And I'm after the game. I'm coming down, right near where the new uh, Freddie McLeod workroom is now. There used to be a Lexus room. Now it's a foundation members room. And I walk into the bar, you know, leaving the arena, and I see Dren, and I'm like, "Dude, what's up? What are you doing here?" He's like, "My son plays for the Cubs." I'm like, "Get out!" <laughs> <laughs> At this point, you know, I just knew him, but Dren, no, I, I, Redrick, I didn't, I didn't know his, his last name. I didn't remember his last name. And I'm like, get out of here. Who's your son? He's like, Kyrie. I'm like, no way. And then he goes, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm I'm the Spanish voice of the team. (laughs) So it was great to run into him and and a very nice dude, very nice guy. And and obviously, you know, very, very involved with his son's career. But a lot of a lot of BU connections at those days. Yeah, and what isn't as well known, Rafa, we talk about BU not always being known as a basketball school, so Dredrick never made it to the NBA after his great high school mm-hmm. career, and there have only been five guys to ever come from BU to the NBA. There's Jim Garvin, there's Gary Plummer, and there's Ken Boyd, none of which who played more than two years, three years in the league. Mm-hmm. Then there was Roger Bell, the more well-known name, who was a big part of the seven seconds or less sons, and the fifth name... Uh, the most recent, the only one in this decade, in the last three decades, to come to the NBA, Rafa, was John Holland, who was, uh, of course, by coincidence, only played his NBA games for the Cavs. So how cool is it for you, being a grad of the school, to see the fifth NBA player in BU history and John Holland get a chance to play for the Cavs, the team that you were calling games for? I think all of that was cool, Zach. The coolest thing was to finally get to see John get a chance to to make it to the big show. You know, he, he all these guys that you see in the G League, Zach, they all work so hard. They all have the talent. Some of them maybe maybe never got the break to to get an opportunity. You know, some of them, you know, during the pandemic got a bigger break than everybody else had. But John was such a good guy. You know, he he was always happy. He was always working hard. And obviously, when we sat down to talk about BU, we always talk about our favorite spot, the bars, the pizza places, and and everything like that. So it, it was great to see him finally get a chance to 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 at least get his feet wet in the in the big show. You know. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. You know, there's really not a ton of BU basketball nope. alums in the NBA. The, the biggest other name we we would have would be Brett Brown, who spent a number of years uh, coaching the Seventy Sixers. He was a BU alum, so it was always cool when the Sixers would go back and you'd hear him talking about his favorite spots yeah. as as you as you do. Did you ever uh, have any conversations with with Brett uh, when you guys would go against the Sixers about about the BU days as well? No, you know, because I every time we travel or come in, it, it was always I, I hate to bother people when it's like kind of like in work mode. 
and and coaches sometimes you know they got a lot of things going on pre-game stuff so i never really got a chance to sit, sit down with him i i used to spend a lot of time with mike jarvis never i don't think he ever made it to the nba but he he actually we ran into each other at, at st john's when he became the coach at st john's uh men's basketball and we used to talk a lot about our days at bu and and the when you talk to you you always got to bring up the hockey you know, because <laughs> it's always like the best, the best part about uh, the, the the athletic department at, at Boston University. So it, it was, it's always great to run into terriers around around the NBA. Not many now, but you know, they always come around. Whenever we run into hockey, though, there's plenty of those. Oh, plenty. <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> and and then uh, and to finish on the BU connection, I myself had a had a quick stint at BU. My last year in college, I went to school on the North Shore, Massachusetts. I spent my first semester of my senior year with the BU athletic department. So it's cool to to have all these BU conversations yeah. and uh, to be able to reflect on uh, on everything in that regard. West Campus. <laughs> That's beautiful. Got it. You gotta love Comab. It just it just keeps going. It just keeps going. <laughs> But all right, folks, still more to come with Robert Hernandez Brito. We will be back for more on Across the Cavs following a word from DraftKings. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus bets instantly. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Opt in and place the same game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, You'll get a bonus back. You know how I'm always thinking. Got to look at the Cavs. We've got the Pistons and Pelicans coming up over the next couple of days. So I'm always going to be looking. Cavs money line. Going to go under because of the impressive defense they've been playing this season. And I'll always go for Darius Garland assists. He's done a fantastic job facilitating this season. It's easy money. You know? I know. We all know. Easy money. So. Download the app now and sign up with code TDPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TDPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back, folks, on Across the Cavs. Zach Weiss here with Cavs Spanish announcer, Rafa Hernandez-Brito and Rough. we've talked about Kyrie, and we talked about uh, the Cavs' two biggest acquisitions in 2014 from Miami, yourself and a <laughs> LeBron Raymond James. So you you two come to Cleveland together, and it only takes two years to get that title. So what what was it like, and how special was it in the city and the games themselves calling such a historic era for the Cavs? You know, it, it gets a lot bigger, Zach, once it's done because you learn a little. I remember I'm I'm a I consider myself a Clevelander now. You know, nine seasons in Cleveland and I made a point I made it a point to make it my home, even though at the time I came in I was single and now I'm happily married. But you know, we I wanted to make Cleveland my home from the beginning just to learn learn and I really didn't know much about the city. I have been here a couple of times with the dolphins and with the you know and and knew about all the crap people talk about the city and then learn how wrong everybody is about it and how beautiful the city is, the people, the, the and, and, and everything you want to talk about the city. But, you know, it, it was a learning experience at the beginning because 
for so many years, I have been calling games where I got excited on both sides, right? And a, a pass, a touchdown, an interception, whatever. I have, to, I was excited about it. I didn't care who won or lost. And you know, I I called the Giants, Eli Manning beating the the Patriots in their undefeated season, and you know, it was an amazing game. But I really, I went home after doing my job, and and and. and no, no love lost, right? And you know, uh, Drew Brees winning his first Super Bowl, all the Manning brothers uh, Super Bowl wins, and 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 gone, you know, Roethlisberger, you know, passes on Tony Holmes in 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 Tampa, and on and on and on. But you learn the first thing, the first lesson I learned was that yes, the wins are so much sweeter because you really enjoy after seeing the guys work so hard. But because you see the guys work so hard. The losses suck. I mean, they they, they really hurt. You, nobody likes to nobody likes to lose. Everybody hates losing more than they like winning. And 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 that's something that I it's still nothing I get used to or get any better. I hate to lose. I, I hate to see the guys, you know, come come up short. There's some of them that you see it's coming. Some of them, you know, it, again, it's all types of losses and 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 you take them as they come. But that's one of the biggest things about that. But then you go into you know, I don't really remember coming to Cleveland thinking I'm gonna to go to four straight final. <laughs> you know, I I I I knew we had a team. I knew it was that era of the big three, and I knew you know with Kevin and and, and LeBron and Kyrie, and 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 it was gonna be an exciting thing. We went to the finals. We lost the finals at home. It, it really hurt. And then the next day in 2016, it was just it, it was a different atmosphere is a different feeling you know we were winning we were doing well we we're doing all that there was a lot of drama going on you know the media attention the national games and all that so but back to you what you were asking me about how important it was i don't think i learned how important it was until the day of the parade when we had i'm walking from my from my apartment i live downtown walking to the parade and, and i found this ran into this woman who just grabbed me and hugged me and I said, you know, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for everybody. She goes, you don't understand. I just came back from the cemetery. My father was a huge Cavs fan from the Miracle of Richfield, and he never got to see his Cavs win the championship. And that's when it hits you, you know. That's when, it, that's when you understand how much a part of the sports scene are the fans here in Cleveland. They love their team. They're loyal. I don't think I ever met a more loyal fan base. There are many. But you know when you experience them and you and you know what it means and what it feels like to become a champion and and to be part of that three one comeback historic comeback against all odds. I mean you run out of adjectives talking about what it means and how uh, what it was what it felt like, and and it was just unbelievable just to see the city come together and 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 in the parade and we just couldn't wait to get home after winning the championship and. Go on and on the stories, endless stories, Zach, about how special, how special moments about about that championship. Yeah, it's uh, and and my biggest regret as a Cavs fan is that the one the one game I've missed that's ever mattered. I've been a fan since two thousand and three. The one thing that I I can never forgive myself for, and there wasn't a solution, was I missed Game Seven. I didn't get to watch Game Seven as it unfolded. Ooh. I didn't get to watch the game for another month and a half. I watched the highlights and I got the score from of all places in 2016 AOL.com told me that the, the Cavs <laughs> beat the Warriors. 
as I was in the, the airport in the Netherlands, that was a, it was a family trip. We booked it three months before the NBA playoffs even started. And I had a, and I knew, I knew Rafa that when game seven was marked down as in the finals, cause they do that before the playoffs start so that uh-huh. everything is set as June 19th. My flight was at 4 PM Eastern on June 19th. It was not a wow. Great you know, funny story. My, my wife, my girlfriend then was in Chicago and her flight was delayed and she was coming back to Miami because she was still in Miami and and she realized that she was going to be in the middle of the in the middle of the year when when uh, <laughs> when the game was going on so she went to the counter and told the guy I said listen I got to take tomorrow's flight <laughs> but she had planned <laughs> to get she had planned to get home in time to watch the game with her son and then she was actually visiting her daughter in uh, in uh, in Chicago, and she was like, she went back to her daughter's apartment because she's like, I gotta watch the game. I can't, I can't. There's no way I'm gonna miss it now after all this that we've been through. So the stories are so many. I'll tell you one. You know, John Michael was doing the. He's our uh, our TV play-by-play announcer who actually just just last night celebrated his one thousandth broadcast with the Cavaliers. So congrats to. Juan Miguel, I call him, John Michael, great guy, one of the, probably the best and the most, the hard work, the hardest working guy on, in the business. Uh-huh. And him and I, you know, got together the night before in San Francisco where we were staying. Like remember back in those days, they, they, they still played in the Bay Area. Uh-huh. They were in, they were the Oakland Warriors, but no. <laughs> they, we were staying in San Francisco, and we decided to come down to the bar and chat a little bit about what was about to happen. You know, it was game seven, anything can happen. We have LeBron, they don't. <laughs> and that was the attitude, right? If, we're gonna yeah. get, if we make it back to game seven, anything can happen. Uh-huh. So we sat down and we, you know, we, he was his thought and I'm thanking for it. So he said, you know, listen, if we win this thing, whatever comes out of our mouth, it's going to be here for eternity. And one of the things, you know, being part of the business, prepare. To me, preparation is the separation of everything, right? Uh-huh. And and so we sat down and talked about not really script what we were gonna say, but at least have an idea where we were gonna take this if if we won the championship. So I said to him, Well, you know, if we win, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go with LeBron finally fulfilling his promise to the to the city of Cleveland and his fans about you know winning the championship. And he, uh-huh. you know, he talked about he was thinking going the drought and, and and finally Cleveland with a championship and everything. So we sit, we sat next to each other at the at Oracle Arena, and I don't think I ever thought for one at one point in during that game that we were either in or out of the game. You know, I moments that pop up. You know, J.R. Smith those seven quick points to erase the seven point lead, the halftime lead that the Warriors had were huge. Tristan Thompson had a couple of rebounds and and all these little things, but we never really made eye contact or anything during the game until they were about to put the ball in bounds after Kevin Love stopped mm-hmm. and we were up four. And I remember looking to my left and and John and I John was looking to his right and I kind of whispered just kind of in my with my mouth I said like we're gonna win this freaking thing. <laughs> He finally, if I could finally breathe and 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 be sure about the fact that four seconds to go, even though they had the ball, I mean something really miraculous would have to happen for the Warriors to come out with a four-point play, right? 
And it has happened, but it, mm-hmm. I, it, that was the moment that I thought, wow, we're going to, I'm actually going to win something. I'm finally winning a championship it meant something to me, Zach. You know, like <laughs> I have seen so many, so many guys lift the Lombardi trophy and the World Series trophy and, and all kinds of things. And it finally meant so much to, 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 to win a championship, which is, that, you know, June 19th, 2016 is, is the day for me. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great anecdote, and, and John is, is fantastic, and big kudos to him. It's crazy; he's already been there a thousand games. You know, time yeah. time flies. You're gonna be celebrating your thousandth game real soon. I don't I don't know your. Do you have a count on your games? Do they tell you that, or is he's gonna get kind of surprised? I, I don't, but I, I gotta be a little bit behind John because you know John was here like two three seasons before me, I think. Yeah, okay, it's but, coming you know, though. Yeah, we don't have all those hundred playoff games that we play. <laughs> I will soon at, at this rate. Season, it's, it's gonna happen. I, can, I can't wait to make it thirty seasons here with Cleveland. I don't want to go anywhere, man. <laughs> and that's that's why you're the man, Rafa. <laughs> <laughs> and so, obviously, those years were great with the Cavs. All they were doing, you know, was, was winning, but. As cycles go in the league, you know, you can't win forever. So there were a couple of seasons after LeBron went back to L.A. where the Cavs kind of broke everything down from the beginning. They took Colin, they took Darius, they took Isaac, and now most recently Evan. Uh, with the very solid drafting. You know, they had a Lowry market in season. But there were a few years where they went 22-50, and 50, where they went 19-45, and 45, and because of their record, they didn't get invited to the bubble. And then the chip on their shoulder didn't quite – uh, convey the way they wanted the next year, but then finally we got back to being a winning team last year. But uh, the question here, Rafa, mm-hmm. is what's the biggest difference or what have you noticed that you may do differently with your preparation doing games for a team that might be expected to lose more than half the time compared to a team even like now that's a title contender again? Yeah, I don't think the preparation changes at all, you know, because I have to call the game regardless of what the score is. On TV, it's different because John and AC can go into what restaurant they went to last night, you know, because the viewer is still watching the the video, right? And and they can actually make it easier on the on the on the on the um, on the viewer, if, even if with dumb thirty or whatever, whatever you want to, whatever those those days were bringing. But on the radio, you know, one of the rules. Maybe rule number one on the radio is it cannot be boring. So even though we're down 28 at the first in the middle of the second quarter, I still gotta call the game like like it's you know zero zero, right? You know, bounce pass on calling to this guy in the low post. I I still gotta paint the game. It doesn't it doesn't it, it so the the learning the learning part is how I stay engaged with the game. And I cannot I cannot be like a fan would be disappointed and quiet and you know like it happens at the, at the field house when we're down 20 and the fans are kind of like sitting in their hands and and i have to continue to call the game obviously not with the same energy when we hit a bucket to, to cut it down to 22 but also i have to keep painting keep putting the game in, in perspective and also my job is to keep the to keep the fan thinking in a way especially in those years like that you don't win overnight 
right? We're going through these growing pains right now, but you have to learn how to win. You have to learn the situational basketball and 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 figure out things that that you know close out games, uh, close games, and we've done very good. We've done a very good job at leading the league in 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 wins by double figures and leading the league in overtime wins and and by all those things. They don't happen overnight, and I think. As a member of the organization, I knew what was going on. I trusted what was going on because I think our front office, you know, led by our, our president of basketball operations, Kobe Altman, did an amazing job during those years of collecting assets, right, with a purpose. I think during those three, the 2018 to 2020, maybe 21. You know, maybe the, the, the Jared Allen trade is the one that kind of started the next phase of, of this process. But although we were for sure, I tell you, and I can assure everybody listening to your podcast, we were not tanking. Every day, the Cavs were out there trying to win. There were teams that were much, much more talented than we were, but none of them play as hard or harder than we did. So, but... The reality is that there were better teams than we were, but the, we were trying to win while the front office was trying to gather assets to finally be able to turn those assets into what we have now. A little luck, yes, at the beginning, bad luck, not getting those top picks. You know, we had to pick fifth, eighth, and everything, but they did the best they could with those picks. And then finally, we get the number three, and the first two guys picked the guys we didn't want. And we, the guy we wanted lands in our lap, which is, you know, Evan Mobley. And I don't think anybody can be disappointed about what he has shown or, or what, the, what the future holds for that young man. But it, 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 is a, it is such a hard process. And for me as a broadcaster, it's a learning process because that's when you learn to be a broadcaster, when you have to make something so bad sound good. Anybody can call a game seven in 2016, you know, with, with the game going back and forth and the great players in, on the court and everything like that. The problem is when, when you have to make it exciting. And I got that lesson when I was with the Jersey Nets before we made it to two straight finals and before Jason Kidd arrived. You know, the, we were down the same thing. We were down 20 in the first half. And I don't think it was a build-up the way we had done it here because that was done through mostly through so, through free agency, right? And and mm -hmm. and the Cavs with Kobe Oldman has done a really really amazing. If you really sit down and look at what Kobe has done to build this team to where we are now, to creating you know thanks to our chairman also the consistency in the front office and the coaching staff and then the the culture that had been created, we can finally say. There is such a thing as Cavaliers basketball. I don't think that ever existed, even on the years that we were going to to four straight finals, because it was just a collection of, of free agents and veterans and, and everything like that. A very well put collection, but but it's different to what we have now. Right now, we are the best defensive team in the league in points allowed and in rating. We are a very good team when we share the ball. We have, you know, we have a purpose and we have a plan. Uh, that I think is being developed as we, as we speak, and 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 all I can ask for the fans is to just enjoy the ride, have a little patience. There's going to be bumps along the road, but I think they're getting less and less bumps and more and more top of the hill coming for the, for the Cavaliers. Yeah, and that's a really good point about this being the first era of real Cavs basketball because you think about the guys on the end of the bench 
Dean Wade went through his first contract. Now he's signed long-term. And they got Karis Laverde. He's been here for two seasons. Lamar Stevens in his third year after being undrafted, he's worked his way up into the role he has now. Before he went to Miami, they'd had Kevin Love for eight seasons. This is Darius's third year. Darius his fourth year. Isaac's third year. Jarris now been here for three years. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell is, is in his first season. We'll talk about him in a second. And you think about other than Robin Lopez and Howell Neto, Dylan Windler is now in his fourth year. Jetty Austin's been here since the LeBron regime was still was still going on. So I think it's important and, and it's a great point that a lot of the success is owed to continuity and chemistry because we've seen a lot of teams. We saw we saw LeBron's Lakers uh, win a title with a collection of mm-hmm. one-year guys. Those Miami teams, you know, were very similar. The Dallas Mavericks, who upset the Heat had a lot of guys they had just traded for just brought in a lot of old guys, but they didn't have the same continuity. So I think Rob, that's a great point that when the Cavs experience eventual success and we have to get to April for that to be official once they experience it, I think it's more special, right? Because they have the core of guys that have been here together, not a bunch of players. They just acquired a week or two ago or a month or two ago, or even over the summer, but they've been here for years and that's the culture building i think is so important around the league that some teams don't appreciate for sure you know and it's a bottom line what you everything you just said sums up to saying we have a group of guys that are part of something we're building and they are a part of it and they are going to see the fruits of it for so many times in, in the process of collecting assets and, and trying to figure out who wants to be in cleveland who wants to be part of this because that's one of Kobe Altman's number one rules. You know, you everybody that is part of the roster wants to be in Cleveland, wants to be part of this and wants to see the result of it. And finally, we have a group of guys that that get along well, that, that follow the leadership from J.B. Bickerstaff and, and his staff. And 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 we are seeing it. We, we're seeing the result. You know, we went from last season being the surprise team to now everybody wants to beat us. So every building we go to, Everybody brings their best game because they want to beat those calves that everybody's talking about. Everybody wants to prove that everybody that they're wrong. And and when you look at the league and, and you look at, at, at I don't want to say that is we are we are the reason why this is turning, but I think it it is it, it is a wave of teams that have been built through the draft. Nowadays, you see the, the the Denver Nuggets that we saw last night. You see the Memphis Grizzlies. You see the Celtics. You see, you know, there are some teams still that have been built through free agency with, with like the Sixers. You know, even though they have the the core of, of Joel Embiid, but we are seeing now. I don't want to say the end of the era of the big three, but we are seeing the fact that it does work to build through draft, if you have the front office that is capable enough to 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 be able to scout that talent and to be able to put the pieces to, together. Because, you know, a, a lot of people would say that maybe it was a little luck what, what, what the Cavs built in, when it comes to chemistry, but it's definitely not luck what Kobe Altman and his staff have been able to do to build on that that we ran into, which was, you know, getting the right pieces and the right humans in the in the game with Jared Allen falling into a lot. Who, who can tell me a story of waking up that morning and seeing the, the watch bomb about, you know, James Harden going to, to Brooklyn finally and then they made the deal and this and this and Houston get that. And the Cavaliers, I'm the Cavaliers. What, what the hell are we doing in this thing? Eh? The Cavaliers get 
Jared Allen. <laughs> so for 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 a, for second round picks and for players that have come in, uh, I forget the, what's his name, the Australian Dante team Exum. that came from Utah, Dante Exxon. So it, it's all that when you look at the big picture, like if you're looking at a wall of a of, of a detective looking into all the pictures that you put on the wall and try tying them up. It is an incredible job that Kobe Oldman has done in, when it comes to building this together. And now he's in J.B. Bickerstaff and the players' hands to, to make sure that, 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 that we make it work and, and that we get the fruits of it. Yeah, and my, my personal hope, as long as they don't become a rival of the Cavs, to see the Orlando Magic become the next version of the Cavs. They've got an incredible core, and they've even got a couple mm-hmm. of veterans that have been around just waiting for uh, for the good days to come. But we'll see what happens with them. We're not here to talk about the Magic. As much as I like watching them play, and I'm very <laughs> impressed by what they've done, we're not. And my last Cavs yeah. note, <laughs> my, last, yeah. my last Cavs note, Rafa, before we talk about Donovan Mitchell and wrap up, is that I think as unfortunate as it was, having to trade Kyrie at the time is what netted the Cavs the pick to get Colin Sexton and allowed them to start getting the young core going. So it's that Brooklyn pick that was talked about for so many years in Boston ended up getting with getting to the Cavs and being able to take a guy of Colin Sexton's caliber who nearly won a three on five while he was at Alabama, I think to come in and be <laughs> part of that next move made such a difference for them. And I think when you put him with Darius the next year, we started to see it come together and it led us now, Rafa, to the Cavs being able to package Colin a couple pieces for Colin Sexton. And now, would you, would you, would there be a discussion for Mitchell being the biggest acquisition, not signing, not drafty, but acquisition? Could you argue he's their biggest one in franchise history? Well, you know, it, yeah, I don't think, I don't think there is, a, there is, especially if you consider what, what, what Donovan Mitchell came to play with. You know, because usually when you have guys moving, you always you always have to send something back, right? You always have to 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 move pieces. And and again, going back to um, you know Kobe Altman, just being able to to have those relationships, you know, because those are the things also you have to consider that we have been able to to develop respect from these front offices that we actually deal with. And I think that's one of the things that people don't really pay attention to. But the Kobe Oldman has talked about how the fact that when you're going to make deals, people keep going back to those people that they trust, that you're not going to leak, that you're not going to, that you're going to be at least honest about what you, what you're offering and what you, you know, all those things that I, even I don't know about, but I'm, I'm telling you, Kobe had mentioned about how, the, the trust between him and, and, and the Utah gas front office, for example. You know, that's how we ended up with Donovan Mitchell. But I would say, you know, I don't want to put it on Don to say, let's wait for the result. But so far, so good, Zach. I don't think anybody can complain about what what has become of that, of that Labor, Labor Day move by, by Kobe Altman that summer. Oh no, no question about it. There, there will always be those those couple of fans that say, oh, what Colin could have been. Lowry Markkinen's been one of the top 15 players in the league this year, but then they think, oh, that probably wouldn't have happened in Cleveland because he wouldn't have had the same role. And, yeah, it's it's a trade that, that certainly made headlines. It certainly blew up all of our phones, any of us that have any association uh, with enjoyment of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I guess my final uh, question for you here, Rafa, is the Cavs now, after last night's game, 
have 20 left. What would you say is the most important factor for them as they finish the regular season and surge toward the playoffs? What's the one thing that's the most important for them to work on or to do or to keep their eye on? I'm well, you know, obviously they have to continue being playing Cavaliers basketballs. You know, defense feeds their offense, and I think that is has to continue being the best defense in 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 the league. We have been a very good offense in since the months of in the month of February. But I think the most important thing that people are not really looking at is those small baseball series that we have coming up in March, in Orlando, in Charlotte, in Miami, in Brooklyn, because. Most of these guys you just mentioned that are part of this team, with the exception of Neto, Mitchell, Green, and Jerry, none of them has ever played a series in the NBA. Forget about playoff, right? None of them have been able to come back two nights later and be in and noticing what the adjustments are going to be because in the playoff, it changes that everybody in that staff is concentrated in taking away the things you do best. So this, base, this baseball, small baseball series of two games in three nights, I think it's a good preparation for playoffs in terms of what they can expect. Let's say we play Miami on the 8th. On the 10th, they're going to face a totally different team defensively, trying to take away what they do with what we do with more what we do with Allen. So I think that is a big lesson that the Caps are going to have in the month of March in heading into the playoffs to just figure out how they're going to have to react to the adjustments and they have to readjust what they have offensively or defensively because it works both ways, right? We're going to try to do the same thing to the other team. So to me, that's going to be the biggest lesson. I'm not worried about this team in terms of what, you know, whether we're going to make it or not or, or how they're going to be. They're going to be ready. They have been ready. They know they have to step it up a level. I don't know if you noticed last night, the beginning of the game, Donovan Mitchell with three steals right off the game. He is leading by example, making sure he lets these young guys know that this is the time where the good guys become great. And when everybody steps it up a notch, and if you're not ready, you're going to get run over and taken out of the gym immediately. So that's why I wasn't, obviously, I wasn't happy with the loss last night, but I was very impressed with the, with the effort with the guys coming back and tonight on a back-to-back -back night. So... I'm happy where we are, Zach. I'm, I am good with the effort, and I'm happy with the lessons that are coming, and I'm pretty sure these guys are going to do a good job taking their notes and, and getting ready for the playoff. Yeah, that's, that's great analysis. And obviously, folks, you can hear Rafa tonight as the Cavs will play the second end of their back-to-back -back against the Hawks before going to Sunday to face our Newly bitter, newly formed bitter rivalry with the Toronto Raptors. But Rafa, a pleasure to bring you on. I'm glad we can finally get this going today. Thank you for having me, Zach. It's always a pleasure. And you got my number whenever you need me. I'm available. You'll will, will absolutely do this again. So for Rafa Hernandez Brito, I'm Zach Weiss. And this has been the latest edition of Across the Cavs. And we'll see you real soon.